It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to Week 8 of This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, basketball time contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. This has been, to this point in time, a season of firsts around here. We've had number one ranked teams in the Big East. We've had top upsets and unlikely play from teams you don't necessarily expect it to come from. And then Wednesday night... In the conference, we had a suspended game, and league play continued over until the next day because the floor just became too dangerous to play on. Kevin, it's life in the Big East as we know it. You know, John, things oftentimes don't go according to plan, but this was a change-up that I'm sure Kevin Willard and Ed Cooley would rather not have happened, but the way that things uh, ended up, I'm sure... uh Pirates certainly were happy. Yeah, no question about it. In fact, uh, for those that may be wondering as the music will be interspersed in and out of our uh, program here today, we're actually bringing you this show from Providence College's Alumni Hall on the campus in Providence because uh, we were both here for the continuation of that game, which resulted in an 89-77 win for Seton Hall over the Friars. The game was postponed with 13:03 remaining in the second half due to condensation on the floor of the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence. There's an ice surface where the uh, American Hockey League Providence Bruins play. They build the basketball floor on top of that, and uh, the floor sweats when it gets warm outside, and there were unseasonable warm temperatures outside in Providence this week, and so we had an unprecedented occurrence with a game needing to be stretched out even further than just the one night in which it was intended. And, you know, you got to give it you really got to give it to Seton Hall, the veteran presence. You know, that's a situation that can throw a team. You know, you go into a uh, a game where you're up by nine, you have to go back to a hotel, sleep a little bit, get up. You know, you don't have enough clothes. Kevin Willard coached the game in, in basically a sweatsuit uh, sweat and, uh, and a golf shirt. Right. And they dug deep and won at Providence's Alumni Hall. The first ever Big East game contended here at uh, Alumni Hall. That's correct. Building uh, was has not been Providence's home floor since 1972, so it's been a long time. And the first ever Big East game uh, on this particular floor on campus. Also this week, well, the race at the top of the league standings, Tightened up considerably, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And the streaking red storm of St. John's finally found a bump in the road at Marquette. And now it may be the Golden Eagles putting on a run of their own to get back into consideration for a possible at-large spot in the NCAA tournament, Kev. No question. Uh, I think Marquette is in decent shape. There's a huge log jam in the middle of the league just below Xavier and Villanova, who are clearly going to fight to the finish in, a, in a, the race to win the Big East. But Providence, Butler, Creighton, Seton Hall, Marquette, they all have the NCAs within their sights, but they're going to need those one or two more wins to get over the top. And, boy, it's been very clear in the Big East this year that it's just tough to you know get any win at this time of the year, season. Yeah, it may be difficult down the stretch run. Let's see if somebody can sneak in without the help, or let's see with three games now left of the regular season for most everybody, can they earn the help themselves? Xavier remains atop the conference standings after winning at Georgetown this week with Villanova a half game back after dispatching DePaul at home on Wednesday. The middle of the league from third to seventh is tighter than new laces on brand new sneakers. Butler plows its way into third place at nine and seven with wins over Creighton and Providence following a three game losing streak. Then a four way tie for fourth, as Kevin just mentioned, with Seton Hall, Creighton, and Providence all at eight and seven, and Marquette looming just one game back in seventh at seven and eight. 
The Big East remains in the number two spot in conference RPI. Six Big East teams were ranked in the top 40 at the start of this week, eight in the top 60. In overall strength of schedule, eight teams are ranked in the nation's top 50. Five of those are ranked in the nation's top 20. And while most bracket projections for next month have six Big East teams prominently mentioned, another one's beginning to wiggle its way under the tournament microscope. So, Kev, is it possible now that the Big East could again play 70% of its teams in the NCAA tournament next month as the league did last year? Or... Are these upsets and teams beating up each other in the middle eventually going to prove harmful to somebody's postseason chances? Well, I wouldn't call, you know, uh, there's not many upsets in the Big East these days with the way that Georgetown, DePaul, and and St. John's are playing. Uh, Marquette is is the outlier as we speak, and, uh, you know, they they got a decent schedule the rest of the way. They're at DePaul, at Georgetown, you know, difficult games, but you would say winnable, and then they wrap things up with a home game against Creighton. If they can... I think the magic number for any of these teams is 10, a 10-8 and eight Big East record. I have a hard time believing that any of those seven teams won't get in at 10. But, boy, getting to 10 is going to be difficult. I think it may very well be because you've got such a log jam in the middle that this year we get another test at 9-9 nine and nine for somebody. Well, uh, Seton Hall, for example, is probably has you know the best credentials of that group. You know, although you know Butler is uh, is is there as well. If either one of those teams are at nine and nine, I have a hard time believing that they won't make it. But you know, th- this is what makes college basketball great. You know, everyone who says you know college basketball is really all about March, it's really all about February for teams that want to get into the NCAA tournament. Because this is not the time where you want to have to drop games. Don't forget, if you have questions on your favorite team or this jumbled mess in the middle, you can send them right to us. We can use them on the show. Hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag TWITBE for This Week in the Big East. And don't forget to leave a comment if you download our podcast on iTunes. Stitcher and Google Play are also our podcast partners. A traditional Big East power has come on strong of late, capable of taking anyone out on any given night. It's taken their legendary new head coach some time to acclimate, but Patrick Ewing and Georgetown could make some noise before this season is through. They could also make trouble for one of their Big East brethren thanks to the play of big man Jesse Govan. And Jesse tells us what he's learned from a legend next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Big East Spotlight. So here comes Butler. Has to rip. Puts it up. No. No basket. Hoyes win. 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 The Hoyes have beaten Butler. Georgetown Hoyas treated the early part of the season with some kid gloves, not yet knowing what they might have on the floor. But once the Big East season rolled around after a slow start, the Hoyas seemed capable of beating just about anyone at any given moment. Junior center Jesse Govan joins us this week in the Big East. And Jesse is one of the players returning from a year ago, and you stayed on through a coaching change within the program. What was it like for you 
when you learned Patrick Ewing was coming back to take over? Uh, yeah, I was excited. Um, you know, Hall of Fame coach has done everything, you know, on the basketball court that you could expect to do, and, you know, especially playing my position as well. I was just really excited to learn from him, and, you know, uh, kind of pick his brain, and I've, I've been trying to do that this year, and I think it's been shown on the court. Jesse, how about with just actual uh, actual moves? Does Patrick get in the post and, and teach and get in with the big guys a little bit? Yeah, he shows me some, uh, some moves that I could use in the game, and, you know, in different situations against different uh, – types of players that I play against and you know I've been trying to incorporate you know, different moves in the game so I'm not just like a, a one move type big man. Well, so what we need to know now is does coach still have game? <laughs> yeah he can still play yeah he, he gets out on the court sometimes and he'll play. yeah he, he can still play. Well it, it, it's actually not surprising to hear your answers Jesse because in your first couple years at Georgetown everyone knew that you know you're a really physical aggressive guy inside you definitely added more of a jump shot to your game this year kind of like Patrick Ewing did in his great career. Uh, has that been an off-season focus for you? Uh, yeah, I've always uh, thought I was pretty versatile with, with the jump shot, you know, being able to work inside and outside, you know, and, uh, and Coach has been putting me in good situations where I can get, get the jump shot off, and, you know, he's expecting me to knock it down, you know, especially do my work in on the inside, but if, if, I'm, if I'm open, I have my shot, he wants me to take it, and then he expects me to make it. So, Jesse, you know, when we mentioned off the top here that you guys kind of started the season off gingerly, let's say, what did you guys talk about as a team in terms of how the season started and what you needed to accomplish to be able to get some of that momentum rolling? Because we get the idea now of, of really what Coach Ewing was looking to try to do when you come in and establish and put your imprint on a team. Yeah, I think we were. Uh, I think we just had to do a little bit of growing up. You know, we have a we have a lot of young players that, that play a lot of minutes for us, and I think in the last few games, you know, understood. They finally started to understand what it takes to win in the Big East. You know, we had a lot of games that, you know, we felt like we could have won and it was certain mistakes down the stretch that we didn't, that we didn't execute. So, but now I feel like the, uh, our players are, uh, you know, really trying to focus in on those things and just trying to play the whole 40 minutes. And, you know, I, I think we're going to make a nice, nice push at the end of this season. Now, there's no question, uh, Georgetown is no pushover. It hasn't been all year, but I, th- I think you really opened people's eyes, beating Seton Hall by three and then going into Butler and winning on the road at Hinkle Fieldhouse. It had to be, was it more of a relief or a celebration to come through with those two back-to-back wins? Um, I think it was, you know, more of a relief. We felt like we, we should have won a few of the games that we let slip away from us. So, you know, to finally, you know, have one of those games, execute down the stretch, you know, secure the rebound or, or get out on the open shooters or, you know, things like that, cut down on the turnovers and, the, and uh, at crush time. And, you know, so it was just real nice to win those two games, and I think it gave us a little bit of momentum. Georgetown Junior Center Jesse Govan joining us this week in the Big East. All right, so amongst your teammates now, who do you feel like has stepped up and really showed you his game in a way that you didn't expect this season? Well, I don't think it's – I think it's something I expected, but I think DeMarco has been – been playing real well, you know. He, he was a great commit for when he came and I saw what he could do. I was really excited, you know, to play with him. You know, he could definitely, you know, shoot the ball, you know, space the floor out, and then he could get to the hole. And, and you know, he's six eight, six nine. You know, with that frame, he could do a lot of damage on the court. And I think in the last few games, he's really, you know, started to be more aggressive and starting to, you know, build his confidence up. And you know, we're pushing him. And, you know, he's answering the call, you know, we're putting him in situations where he needs to make plays, and I think he's done a good job of that. Now, amongst the new guys, you talked about the younger guys and the need to kind of bring them along a little bit and get them indoctrinated into Big East play early. Amongst the younger guys, who surprised you? Uh, I think, I think, let's see, who surprised me? I think Javon has surprised me a little bit. You know, I knew he could shoot, but, you know, he, he could really get hot at any time. Javon Blair, he's... 
you know, kept us in games with his shooting and getting to the hole and, you know, uh, drawing contact. He's a great free throw shooter. So, you know, we're, we're just trying to keep him, you know, to keep making the right play so we can be successful down the road. Jesse, it's never easy to have a new coach halfway through your college years, but I would imagine yourself and Marcus Derrickson both. Uh, coach uh, Ewing has really relied on you guys to help lead a, a pretty young team. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, he's been saying all year that, you know, we're the horses that are going to pull the carriage. So, uh, you know, he, he puts us in situations that he expects us to, you know, score and dominate other teams. And uh, the guys on the team is embrace that, and they look for it, you know, a lot a lot of the times, you know, I mean, half course that he's in transition, you know, we're, we're some of the first options on the court. So it, it's just, you know, it's all about trying to make the right play, whether it's your time to take a shot or, or passing out the open shoes or, you know, me and Marcus have to we look for each other. So it's all about just making the right play and putting it in the game. Jesse, when we typically get a player on, we like to ask his opinion about some of the teams and some of the other players that he's faced, especially within the Big East Conference. Is there a team, is there a player in the league this year that has been a particularly uh, interesting, let's say, matchup for you? I think I think going against Angel and Senior Hall, you know, uh, so I, I've played AAU with him. You know, I know him since I was in high school, and, you know, we, we played together before. I think... Going, I knew what he could do. He's a you know great rebounder. He's real strong on the post. And I think going against him is always a is always a good matchup for me. You know, I'll always uh, come you know a little bit more excited to the game. You know, because it's always it's always nice to play against your friends and all that. But you know, on the court there's no friends. So when you get in between those lines, you know, it's, it's a real nice battle between us. I don't know who would dish out more bumps and bruises, Jesse Govan or Angel Delgado. I don't want to be in the middle of that scrum, <laughs> a- frankly. Angel, how about Arena? What's the where do you like to play opposing Arena? Where, where do you not? like to play my favorite arena is to play in uh i think that would have to be butler uh you know their, their fans are you know definitely some of the loudest people at, at hinkle field house and it, you know it's, it's always a nice atmosphere when we go up there and you know it, it gets me hyped because their fans are talking you know and that gets me hyped to go for a game you know, so i think yeah i think hinkle field house is the place i most like to play in don't like to play uh yeah i don't know there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of great arenas in the Big East. I think every road game is, is a test, you know, because all, all, all the Big East fans are great. There's really, really no place that I don't like to play. Jesse, thank you so much for the time today. It's greatly appreciated. Good luck to the Hoyas down the stretch run. That's Georgetown's Jesse Govan. Who's hot? The action is heating up toward the postseason. Who's taking their team along for a ride toward the ultimate goal? That's next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East to walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova and each of us strengthens all of us. Who's hot? Cross outside, Hauser, open three, sweet. He missed the last one, he's not going to miss the next one. He's just too good of an outside shooter. Bridges, long three, yes sir! That one was 25 feet, maybe 27 from the left wing. You gotta love it, catch by 15 on the road. I think you can say Mikael Bridges came to play tonight if there's any question in your mind. Delgado, right at the top of the key, flips it off on her hand and it's stolen by Bullock, he stepped in front of it. Rodney takes it the length of the floor and stuffs it home. 
Ten points for Bullock. Friars have pulled within four, and now the energy of the building begins to grow. Elliott will drive in the lane. Elliott floats it. Oh, he knocks it down. The freshman with a senior shot. Martin steps into a three. Yes! Keelan Martin and the Bulldogs firing from beyond the arc. Again, the dogs running the lane, and that just got him deep enough for Keelan to walk into the transition three. Back out top, Diallo, right back to Bullock. Back door for Watson goes up, yes. scores, and one! Great patience right there to get the ball into Watson. He got position in there, Bullock makes a nice lob pass into him, and he finishes it off. Good play. Pons, good! Jamari Pons hits the home run shot from the near side! Sakar Annan. He'll dribble to the foul line. He'll go to the basket, flip up a wild shot, shoots and scores. Oh, man, circus shot. Nice it goes to in. DiVincenzo finds Spellman. Left corner, three-pointer. Yes, sir. That might be the dagger here for the Wildcats on the road at Xavier as they lead by 15 with two minutes to go. you got to love it. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week honors, Mikhail Bridges from Villanova scored a team-high 25 points to lead his Cats to a big win at Xavier. It was 95-79 earlier in the week and averaged 22 points for the week. Kevin, Mikhail Bridges, we've known for some time, has really improved his capabilities uh, almost, uh, not incrementally, let's just say by leaps and bounds since the time he was a freshman at Villanova to the point now where some are considering him a potential lottery pick in the NBA draft. Well, he, he's the best NBA prospect in the Big East. The uh, NBA scouts who come through, they, they love his length. He has NBA size. He can be an outstanding defensive player where he can guard multiple positions. And really what's separated him now into a high-end pick is he's shooting the ball well. You know, he can step out to that three-point line. He had four threes and really looked, you know, clearly the best player on the court in that showdown game at Cincinnati uh, at Xavier on uh, Saturday. You know, he, he plays off Jalen Brunson really well. You know, Villanova is really going to benefit by getting Phil Booth back, which uh, happened in, in an easy win over DePaul on Wednesday night. Um, you know, Bridges, again, overshadowed a tiny bit by Brunson, but clearly a first-team uh, All-Big East guy. Well, the Big East freshman of the week this week has won honors now three of the last six weeks here in this season, and it's once again Xavier Frosch, Najee Marshall. Fifteen and a half points and seven rebounds and shot 50% for the week for the Musketeers. Seems like this guy, Najee Marshall, is going to be somebody that the Musketeers can lean on for the next few years. Goodbye, Trevon Blewett. Hello, Najee, Najee Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. You know, they kind of play the same. You know, if Marshall can add that deep three-point shot to his game, he's going to be a real star in the Big East. On the Big East honor roll this week, Marcus Derrickson of Georgetown tied his career high and grabbed seven rebounds, had 27 points in a win at Butler in one of those Georgetown wins that the Hoyas are now uh, certainly uh, no one's not expecting them to be competitive. Sakar Annam from Marquette. We haven't had a really chance to talk much about Sakar because he's been sort of a role player for the Golden Eagles, but in the absence of Marcus Howard, who had an injury, an ankle injury in the past week, Annam went up big time. 26 points a career high and scored the winning basket in a win at Creighton. One of the real good young players in the league. It was funny, earlier in the year he was more of kind of an inside guy, you know, kind of do a little bit of everything. Now he's stepping up and scoring, and you combine him with uh, once Howard comes back. He has a hip injury, by the hip way, injury, John. Right. Yeah, thank you. You combine him with uh, Andrew Rousey and Sam Hauser and Marquette's dangerous. You know, they've won three of four, 
and there is an opening down the stretch here for them. Yeah, and Annam also shot 11 of 16 from the floor, so showing his prowess around the basket. Shamari Pond, St. John's, big surprise here, right? 26 points, a career-high 10 dimes in a win at DePaul. Desi Rodriguez is Seton Hall. He averaged 26.5 points and 7.5 rebounds in a week for the for the uh, uh, Seton Hall Pirates, even though he turned an ankle slipping on the floor at the Dunkin' Donuts Center on Wednesday. And he will not play. Uh, Kevin Willard has already said he will not play in the big game at St. John's at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. And certainly Desi is a major loss for the Pirates. Yikes. And Trevon blew it to Xavier. 31.5 points and 6 rebounds. Scored a season-high 37 in a 12-point win as Xavier went over 100 uh, against Seton Hall. Just one thing on Shamari Pons, who you mentioned just a little while ago. Sure. You know, it's in the Big East notes. It's funny, John Paquette types up these notes and you just shake your head. Uh, in their loss to Marquette, Shamari had 19 points. It's the first time in six games that he didn't score at least 26. So, you know, he's, what, slowing down because he got 19? And he doesn't even make player of the week? That's how dangerous Shamari Pons is. <laughs> yeah, I know, but we, he made the last two players of the week, so. Don't want, don't want him to get a big hit. No, no, I guess it's probably true. So that's kind of the way that the uh, the weekly honors go this week in the Big East. And don't forget now, the 2018 Big East Men's Basketball Tournament is only two weeks away. It's the 36th consecutive year the Big East Men's Tournament will be played in New York City, March 7th through 10th at the world's most famous arena, the mecca of college basketball, Madison Square Garden. And you can be there, too. Don't miss your chance to go. It's real easy. Go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for tickets and information. A change in college basketball is coming, whether anyone wants it to come or not. And where does the Big East fit in on that landscape? Plus, a look at national teams that could challenge league teams for postseason spots. It's coming up next this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Focus. And they've got several towels and mops out on the floor right in front of the Seton Hall bench. And like I said, in 30 years of Big East play, I have never seen a building have to be a reason for postponing the game. But James Breeding is going over to the TV table to explain it over there. And they're calling this game with 13.03 to play and Seton Hall with a nine-point lead. I have never seen this. Well, it would be hard to say the Big East hasn't been at least interesting on the floor this season. This much is certain. But where does the league fit into the overall picture of what's happening now as well as what could be happening in the not-too-distant future? ESPN College Hoop reporter Jeff Goodman joins us this week in the Big East. Jeff, I guess to start off, have you seen anything remotely similar to what we saw this week with the game postponement in Providence and having to play it again some 18 hours later on campus at school? You know, the, the only thing that I saw, and I can't even remember what year it was now, but I, I was at, uh, in, in Atlanta when the, uh, the weather, it's a hurricane or a tornado, tornado. Right, tornado. forced the SEC tournament to be held at Georgia Tech in front of select fans and media, and uh, it was really interesting. It was also the year Dennis Felton was going to be fired. Mm-hmm. He was at Georgia. He was going to be fired, and they ran the table. He saved his job. They won the SEC tournament. Uh, so that's the last time I can remember anything like this happening. So maybe I, I just have the, the good fortune of being at these 
uh, interesting, unique uh, games. I was just going to say that, uh, Jeff. You know, you live in Massachusetts. You usually come down and see the Friars a few times yeah. a year. We really appreciate you messing up the game this week. <laughs> yeah, you, well, it, it is what it is, right? Like, you know, again, why not? I mean, this college basketball season actually has been fairly uneventful. It has. You yeah. know, like for me nationally, there haven't been a lot of big storylines. You've got teams at the top that are kind of ho-hum. I mean, if Virginia is the number one team in the country, what is it? and I love Tony Bennett and I love the team he's got, but, you know, again, what does it say for college basketball yeah. this year? It's just not it that says it's wide open is yeah. what it does, right? right? Let, let me take you back to, yeah. to Wednesday in Providence for just a minute, though, because the unusual nature of the game being postponed for those that may be uninitiated or unfamiliar with the story, the Friars share the building with uh, an American Hockey League team, the Providence Bruins. They keep the ice surface down all year. We had unseasonably warm weather uh, in the Providence area throughout the week, and so when you combine that, the warm weather with the ice surface, it sometimes makes the floor, who's built and set up on top of the ice surface, it makes the floor sweat. There's condensation that comes through. There was an issue a year ago in a game at Providence when Marquette was in town that the officials actually called or told the coaches they were not going to call traveling at all in the second half of that game with Marquette because the players kept slipping and sliding on the floor in an effort to try to get the game finished. But the officials on Wednesday night here thought the better of that because there had already been two Seton Hall players, one of them, Desi Rodriguez, who went down with an ankle turn that we suspect might have been due to a slick spot on the floor. So they decided to, to, to call it off. And, and, and because of that, after the game was over, it kind of left everybody in a little bit of a, a netherworld. You were in some of the locker rooms. You talked to the coaches right after. What was that like? Well, the players told me, the Providence players told me that they didn't know initially um, whether the game they, they lost, whether it was a draw. I mean, they had no idea whether it was going to be resumed. They're sitting in the locker room waiting, hmm. getting kind of bits and pieces for what's going to happen. And then they find out, hey, they're going to play. They're going to play it, resume it where it was. They're going to play at Alumni Hall. And that's when they got a little bit excited just because, again, their familiarity with Alumni Hall and uh, practicing uh, there pretty much every day, um, you know, they felt pretty good about it at that point. But then, the, you know, then the staff is trying to figure out a game plan. I'm in there film with them, and, and Cooley's trying to figure out, okay, 13-03 left. What do we have to change? And, and then Jeff Battle's trying to tell him, you know what, I'm not sure we have to change that much. There's still 13 minutes left, so let's kind of play it the way we uh, intend to play. Let's not change up too much. And it was just really interesting to watch how they're trying to go about it and, and whether they're going to change things and whether they're going to play small because they're down nine going into it. I, I like the fact that, Jeff, you and I were with uh, Cooley and Kevin Willard in it, and they were like, well, we don't know where we're going to sleep tonight. This is the Seton Hall guys. They, they, they had checked out of their hotels. And Kevin had taken his two young sons, a 9-year-old and 11-year-old, on the trip with him, just a little dad's getaway. And he said, my wife is going to be really mad. They missed school all of last That's week right. because of vacation. Now they're going to miss another day. I'm, she's going to kill me. You know what the great thing is? They didn't have to check out. You know, uh, they didn't have to check back in because they never checked out because as a team, you don't leave your room for a 7 o'clock game until what? Late afternoon. 4.30. So right. you're paying for that night anyway. anyway. Ah. So you just got your room back. Yeah, you just got your – you went back into your room. They, okay. I'm sure somebody got all the keys for the kids. I'm sure the kids didn't have their – you know, didn't keep their keys. But sure. Thomas Chen, their 
Their SID did keep his key. He just went back in the room like nothing had ever happened. Nothing had ever happened. It all worked out well. Jeff Goodman, who covers college basketball for ESPN, joining us this week in the Big East. We've been remiss if we didn't get a a brief snapshot of the national picture because we know now that while there are five, six, maybe even seven teams now trying to get back into the conversation as far as the Big East concerned for postseason play, what are some of the schools that you've seen, some of the teams that you've seen perhaps from power conferences throughout the rest of the country that could be on the verge of either allowing the Big East an extra spot or maybe knocking somebody off the uh, off the list? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Everybody wants to put a number on how many, how many wins Providence needs, right, to get in the tournament. And, and we have no idea because we don't know what's going to happen in the other leagues. You know, we don't know if in the A-10 tournament, for instance, somebody else steals a bid there because you've only got – URIs, the only team that's in, and St. Bonaventure kind of knocking on the door, and maybe if they go to the finals and lose to URI, maybe they get in. You know, Baylor is playing well in the Big 12. What happens there? Big 10, you got Penn State and Nebraska that are on the bubble. So there's a lot of teams, and I, I just I hate when people put a number on it because there's so many variables going on right now down the stretch. And, and the other variable is obviously how the committee looks at each individual situation, each team, you know, Every guy in that room might have a different criteria that they're looking at. So for somebody to say, well, you know, uh, strength of schedule was it. Another guy might still like the RPI. I mean, I know most people don't, but you, you just don't know what these guys use and utilize to evaluate teams. So I, I think Providence certainly has a little bit of work to do down the stretch. Um, but, again, I, I can't wait for the Big East Tournament in New York just because, again, I think you're going to have some teams that are fighting for their lives. And I think uh, teams around the Big East right now are looking to accumulate, what do they call them, Quadrant 1 wins. And I can't imagine, because it's the first year of Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2, Quadrant 3, that that won't be emphasized by the NCAA committee. Only because they they just created it. Yeah, Yeah, So why wouldn't they? Yeah, Yeah. They're going to push it, and they should. I actually like it. I like road wins having more value because, number one, it, it, it incentivizes teams to go on the road and play good games instead of playing all these neutral site games. Let's play some more games on the road because that's what it's all about. I mean, listen, the college basketball environment, I cover a lot of NBA too. It's so much better when you get it in a hostile environment where the fans are there than when you go to an NBA game or you can go to a neutral site game at the Garden and it's half full or, or whatnot. So I, I agree with you. I think the, and the road wins having more meaning it's going to change scheduling in the future. Jeff, the fact that the Big East won 82% of its non-league games and it has been ranked in the top two or three in conference RPI all year, how does that help a situation when it comes down to selecting teams other than the tournament champion to get into the postseason? No, huge, huge. You have to do your work in the non-conference to build your resume as a league so you have a, a bunch of resume wins at your disposal, and that's what the Big East has had. I mean. It's remarkable when you look at it. I grew up around here. I grew up in Boston. And, and, and when the Big East changed, I really thought it would fall off. And everybody says to me, well, you're an ESPN guy. You don't give, you don't give the league credit because you're an ESPN guy. I don't care. Listen, Prov- I can drive to Providence. So I want Providence to be good. I've said this about UConn for, for the last four years. I want UConn to be good because I don't want to have to get on a flight all the time right. to watch good games. Right. I want to be able to drive two hours. So it pains me that UConn stinks right now that they're irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Providence has done such a good job, and they're a primary reason why the Big East has been able to sustain success. Ed Cooley on the verge of five straight NCAA tournaments at Providence. One of the best jobs I, I think that you can look at over the last five years that any coach has done 
given what he's had to deal with. Jeff Goodman, ESPN, thanks for the time today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. St. John's late season surge has been one of the big stories to follow recently, but without a key player in the lineup, how have they done it? Plus, where do Big East teams figure into that national picture? Fox Sports analyst Tariq Turner, an ex-Red Storm standout himself, joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. National Perspective. How about your headline story from Madison Square Garden this Saturday afternoon? This is a victory for St. John's as they drop number four, Duke 81-77. Wow! Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. And as far as a perspective for this week, who better to turn to than someone who's not only played the game at this level in this league, but has been working for several years now covering these teams and seeing them day in and day out, traveling with these teams, talking to the coaches, getting the insight as we get right down to crunch time. Tariq Turner, of course, plied his trade at a very high level with the St. John's Red Storm not too long ago. And he's working now for Fox Sports 1. He joins us this week in the Big East. Hasn't been that long since you laced them up has it I can still give you some work on the court you know um I've been out for a while but I still feel like I'm still closely connected to the teams and the players and the coaches and uh just very happy to stay stay involved with the game and Fox Sports and Big East basketball is 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 no better time than right now can I ask you at least your initial impressions of your alma mater and the way that they've uh you know rolled back to some real strength and some surprising performances here late in the year Man, it's been it's been a whirlwind. It's been a crazy few weeks. Uh, really happy to see these guys see some success, get some momentum going into March. Uh, obviously, the 0-11 start was tough for everyone. But uh, credit to Chris Mullen and the staff and those young guys keeping their heads up, staying together. They never got divided. I think it's pretty obvious that Shamari Pons is one of the best, not only guards in the country, but one of the best players in the country on one of the most incredible runs that we've seen in college basketball this year. And uh, he has to keep doing that for them to win. I think that's my follow right there, uh, Tariq. <laughs> First of all, John, Tariq still has that baby face. So the players think Thank you. The, pl- the, the, the players <laughs> think he's more of an older brother than like this old guy who comes in and does television. I don't know, Kev. I see a little gray creeping in. I don't know about you. Hey, don't tell anybody. (laughs) So, uh, Shamari Pons, at this stage, I would imagine everyone on defense is going to load up on him, and and he's still putting up numbers like that. How does that happen? How does the player continue to stay hot when, you know, he's at the top of a scouting report? Well, they've been loading up on him the whole year, uh, particularly when Marcus LeVette, uh, the other guard that played at St. John's in the backcourt, as you guys know, went down with the injury. The scouting reports were basically like, hey, we need to shut down Shamari and then we have a chance to win. It wasn't rocket science. What's changed is that Shamari is in an incredible rhythm. He's extremely confident. And in terms of just one-on-one abilities, uh, he's probably the best one-on-one player that we have in the league in the Big East. Mm -hmm. Um, And he can score on all three levels, the three ball, the mid-range, and he can get to the rim. Extremely crafty, uh, kind of like a Nick Van Exel kind of player. Um, his percentages weren't great before he went on this run, but he has so much confidence and he's such a devastating offensive player. 
with his ability to score on and off the ball mm-hmm. that now has really come together. And it really started, um, I think, when they lost, at Zay- lost to Xavier at home. He had 33, I think, and then he came back and then dropped 33 on Duke. And then since then, it's been just a great rhythm he's in, and he has to keep playing like that. We spoke to Justin Simon a couple of weeks ago on the program and, and you know, tried to get a sense for how this all came about. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious from your perspective, not only having the ties that you had to the program, but looking at it now from a national perspective as you do, covering it for Fox, who else on that St. John's team has proven invaluable, even as a, as a glue guy or as a defender or as someone that has actually been able to be relied upon by Chris Mullen? Well, there's been three core guys. It's been Marvin Clark, uh, who's their best, most efficient scorer when you talk about percentages. He shoots about 47% from the field, 90% from the foul line, their best three-point shooter percentage-wise. And he's an undersized big that can stretch the floor. He can shoot threes. He can get down low. And he's experienced more so than some of the other players. So it's been Marvin Clark and then Justin Simon, as you mentioned, uh, along with Pons. Justin Simon's the most versatile player on the team, kind of a Swiss Army knife kind of player, athletic slasher, very good on-the-ball defender, big guard at 6'5". So when those three guys play well, they have a chance. And I think that's been the biggest change in this winning streak is it hasn't just been the pawn show. It's been Simon and Clark adding to that. When those three guys play well, like a lot of teams, when you have multiple guys playing well, then you have a chance to do something nice. Tariq, let's go to the top of the league where Villanova and Xavier has certainly separated themselves from everybody else. I think we all saw the, the uh, big-time effort by Villanova to win at Xavier last weekend. You know, it's funny. People lose a game. A, one, uh, a team loses a game in the Big East and like, wow, you know, what's wrong with Villanova? You know, they lost to Providence. Well, Providence is pretty good. And, you know, Xavier slips up and they say, well, everyone's pretty good. Yeah. But those two teams have clearly separated themselves. Yeah. I guess the question is, how good? How, how good are those two teams nationally? Uh, I think they're certainly worthy of being number one seeds in the tournament. I think that's a legitimate uh, possibility that both Xavier and Villanova are number one seeds. They're both very well coached. They have multiple guys that can give you something every night. I think Villanova with Phil Booth coming back hopefully soon, then you have a complete team, and I would give them the advantage in terms of overall team. But Chris Mack is a great coach. Trayvon Blewett, Makura, um, Cantor, who is now starting, has been excellent. Um, They're both veteran teams that don't get rattled. They're very poised. And I think that that combined with the coaching of both Jay Wright and Chris Mack, these are both teams that would not surprise me to see if they both go on a deep run. Former St. John's guard Tariq Turner now playing his trade for Fox Sports 1 as a college basketball analyst joining us this week in the Big East. You know, to that end, we've seen where Villanova and Xavier have looked unstoppable in certain times. And then, of course, uh, we've seen them very beatable on a couple of occasions. Rare, but we've seen them beatable. To what degree do you attribute this just as a normal college basketball season when it seems like um, on almost any given night anybody can lose, anybody can win? Is that an anomaly for you? Is it different? Or does it speak to the growth of the sport? uh, Does it speak to the uh, maturity or immaturity? How do you kind of view this this season the way that it's gone? I think it's obvious the league from top to bottom is as good as it's been in the new Big East era. Mm -hmm. I know Jay Wright said it's the best ever this year, but I wouldn't go that far. This league, there's very little separation. The bottom teams, record-wise, DePaul, St. John's, um, Georgetown, it's no longer a surprise if they beat Villanova or Xavier. The other thing is that I don't think there's any great teams in the country this year. I really don't. I think Villanova, Xavier are in the conversation, but there's no dominant like powerhouse team 
that I can see just running the table. So I think that's good for the game. I think there's more suspense this year. I think the tournament is going to be more exciting. I do think that when you have a player like a Jalen Brunson, who to me is the player of the year nationally, it certainly gives you an advantage because you have a guy that can control tempo, can win games with just his leadership. But I still think they're beatable. And I think, you know, these are the kind of teams that can beat most teams, but they can also lose. And they have some, they are vulnerable. And I think from the league perspective, one through 10, it really speaks to the depth of the league. And right now, I think we can probably say six teams is probably the number that will get in the tournament. Um, now, that can change in a couple of weeks. But I think right now, uh, last year there was seven teams. This year there may be six teams. But the reason it'll be less this year is because the league is tougher. Tarika, as a player, I'm curious. It's late February, mid-February, and your team is you know, alternating between playing well and uh, winning, uh, playing poorly and losing. We've seen that with Providence a little bit. Creighton, uh, Butler is coming off a losing streak and now playing well again. Uh, it's tough to build momentum for March that way. I mean, can that carry over or is it the type of thing where you just snap your fingers and it's March and everyone's playing well again? I think if you ask all these coaches that question, all of them will say it's more important to be playing well going into March. Momentum is important, as you guys know. But you can also not win and still have momentum, as weird as that sounds, and no one believes in moral victories. But I think for for this league and and for these teams, I think it's more important in terms of how you're playing going into the Big East tournament. Uh, Even if you don't win the Big East tournament, you want to have some confidence, you want to have some momentum, and you you want to have a rhythm. And I, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. You can see some teams that just can't get it right going into the Big East tournament, and it carries over, and then they're a first-round exit. And then vice versa, you can see a team like a Villanova or Xavier just clicking on all cylinders going into the Big East tournament, and there's a carryover. And that speaks to the coaching and the veteran leadership that both teams, both those teams have. Who's got next? The big games, the big matchups, more big upsets. Well, that's up next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next this week in the Big East? The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC, has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. Who's got next? Sakar Anup to a flashing Elliott who stops it. You might see that tonight on ESPN. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East and coming up this weekend. It gets big now for special the teams in that muddled middle of the conference standings. First of all, Providence at Georgetown. Seton Hall will go on the road at St. John's, perhaps without Desi Rodriguez, as we talked about earlier in the show. And Villanova plays at Creighton. Those are big games for Providence, for Seton Hall, and Creighton in particular. And let's not forget Georgetown with a late season run. Up and down, really everybody, but uh, two stand out to me. One, number one is that Providence at Georgetown game. The Friars are in a, in a tough spot right now. With three are. to go, they go at Georgetown, at Xavier. And how about this? Xavier doesn't play. They have the weekend off, and it's Trevon Blewett senior night, J.P. McCure senior night, a really tough spot for the Friars. And then they come back and wrap things up with a home game against St. John's. I, I just I don't know if the Friars can scratch one out the rest of the way. Or, or they could 
win two out of three. Who knows? Yeah, it reminds me a little of Dougie McBuckets a couple of years ago going into his senior night at Creighton. Yeah. And well, the Friars got that duty as well. And the other game that really stands out is that for the second weekend in a row, Villanova is going into a real rat trap. You know, that did a good job, a really good job, in jumping all over Xavier last Saturday, and now they go at Creighton, and we know what uh, is awaiting them out in Omaha. That's correct, and Creighton has got their backs to the wall a little bit. They could use a little momentum and a big signature win like that. On Monday, Marquette is at Georgetown. Now, we bring that up because the Golden Eagles have clearly played their way back into the talk here. They have. They have, and again, I, I like their schedule down the stretch. They really need to get Marcus Howard back. Uh, I think he could be back for that Monday game. But, uh, you know, I, I, if you wanted to award a half-season coach of the year, Georgetown and Patrick Ewing are in the mix. I mean, they, they've really come out of nowhere, and every game they're in is really difficult. They, they had Vill- uh, Xavier in a good spot on Wednesday night and let them slip away. Uh, the Hoyas are going to be a tough out the rest of the way. Would you say overall, though, uh, maybe right now Chris Mack and Xavier? Chris Mack and Xavier, you know, it's funny. We always overlook Jay Wright because, you know, he's he, – you know, he wins it a lot. He wins it a lot, but uh, down the stretch here, depends on if Xavier wins the title. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would like to see what happens on that final Saturday before yeah. I vote yeah, because it's going to be on. that tight. Yeah, and the coaches vote on this award, so they vote on themselves. And then, of course, for the schedule next week, Providence plays at Xavier at Centos Center in Cincinnati, where they've never won since Xavier joined the Big East. Villanova plays at Seton Hall Wednesday night, and Butler, after having some time off as well. They will come back to play on Wednesday at St. John's. Get me a get me a front row seat for that Nova at Seton Hall game. You know the the hall is down the stretch here. They have two uh, home games, Villanova, and then they close it out uh, with Butler at home. Uh, I I just like those seniors. They've been inconsistent uh, early February, but I think they're a team that can close strong. Hey, don't forget that Westwood One will have three Big East games coming up on the radio over the next two weeks. You can listen to your local Westwood One affiliate, or you can listen online at westwoodonesports.com. And Westwood One Sports will also have the men's semifinals and championship game as well from Madison Square Garden. But be on the lookout for Providence at Georgetown coming up on Saturday. And then this next week, Villanova at Seton Hall on Wednesday the 28th. And then Saturday, March the 3rd, Xavier at DePaul on your Westwood One Sports station nearest you on twitter twitter question this week kevin we got one from uh this is matt in cranston rhode island okay i've been to cranston rhode island you've been to cranston rhode island or actually i take that back johnson rhode island is where he's from i think but that's, the cranston that's, that's Cranston kind of stuck in the uh, in the brain here that's cranston's cousin cranston's cousin johnston and if you're from rhode island you know exactly what we're talking about question is who can be a hot team going into the big east tournament and i think there are several candidates here well, I'm going to go right to the top of the league. Xavier, I think, can be the hottest team in the league. Uh, Providence at home at DePaul are the only two games left. I like their chances to, to win both, be 15-3. and three. And, John, that would be 12 of 13 to wrap up the uh, regular season. That's pretty impressive in this league. Don't forget, you can send us your questions. Hit the hashtag TWITBE, and we'll answer your questions here on the program. Don't forget, if you're still looking for more Big East Hoop news, you can also tune in each week live with Big East Shoot Around, available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. Shoot Around features coaches and player interviews from around the league every week, so send your question, maybe even a hot take or two, on social media every week to hashtag BE. 
E. Shoot Around, and you can be featured on the show. Our thanks this week to Georgetown's Jesse Govan, ESPN's Jeff Goodman, and Fox Sports' Tariq Turner for joining us. Thanks also go out to our flagship radio stations at Providence, at Nova, and Butler for their assistance in providing some of the sound that brings us all a bit closer to the big moments in these big games. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. You like what you hear? Well, just let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes, won't you? Hit us up on Twitter. Give us a retweet at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara33, and we'll come back to you same time next week as we get ready for the Big East Tournament this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.